Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to your Thursday Buckeye Talk. Doug Lamarie, Nathan Barrett, Stephen Beans. Just talk to receivers and running backs after Ohio State's second practice of spring. Like a fire hose, guys. I mean, like, we appreciate getting 10 guys. It was, it's like, hey, here come, like, 10 of the best offensive players in the country all at once. So we did the best we could. We're going to talk about them all. Players we talked to today at receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., Julian Fleming, Emeka Egbuka, Jaden Ballard, Cam Babb, Sam Wiglis, seven, Xavier Johnson, eight. At running back, Trevion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Evan Pryor. We all personally couldn't get to all of them. I was listening to interviews, videos that other outlets from Ohio State recorded. I was listening to them driving home. I was eating stir fry while I was driving, while I was listening to Ohio State interviews in my car. So shout out to Dan Hope and Austin Ward and Patrick Murphy and all the other guys who were asking questions. And then I heard them get some good answers because I was doing other stuff and we were all doing other stuff. So, so you know, guys know I get jacked up sometimes about like, hey, don't steal my answers like six tables of guys at one so shout out to the beat getting it done collectively i hope uh i hope nobody minds if we talk about some of the stuff they gathered nathan i am particularly interested in like how this receiver room is going to break down like i just want to know who's going to play and where they're going to play and i actually don't care as much about where they're going to play except where to me helps figure out how much so i am curious about we know jackson smith and jigba's going to be in the slot a lot and then the rest of the pieces, that really is something that's high on my list of things to figure out this spring. Yeah, and one of the guys I spent a lot of time with today was Jaden Ballard. You know, Chris Olave had been talking him up. I just kind of want to find out, you know, what's going on? What has really happened there? And in, in some ways, in spring, the guys who are the best players in the country, as you said, um, although Trevor Henderson, <laughs> maybe <laughs> some of the things he said we'll talk about later changed my opinion on this. But a lot of times, the guys who are the best players in the country, you know, are going to play as you're saying, there's less intrigue. We need to kind of get through the intrigue. Um, so Jaden Ballard said, like one of the one of the things I heard today that clarified depth chart things more was Jaden Ballard said, I'm behind Julian Fleming at the Z. He also said, and some other guys. So that's like one indication a little bit of like where guys are lining or are settling in as far as, you know, positionally and who's going to play. I think that's what, I mean, that's what we want to find out by the end of the spring is who's going to play. And that was one of the things that I learned today was just kind of how that position is setting up. We know um, that Jackson Smith, the Jigba is going to play period. And just from a, a body type standpoint, Marvin Harrison is, is kind of dictionary definition of, of an X. He says he's up to six, three and a half. Actually, he's a little bit under undersized on the roster. So um we do start to get a little bit of a picture today just from what these guys, the way these guys talked about what they're doing. All right. So Stephen, before we get to you, I just want to, that's, I think let's map this out. Jackson Smith and Jigba is the slot. Marvin Harrison jr. Is the X that's sort of like the number one prototypical receiver. It's what Garrett Wilson played last year. It feels like a Mecca Buka is also maybe going to be a lot of X. Julian Fleming is the Z. That's a Chris Olave spot. That's more of a deep threat. Jaden Ballard is a Z. So if we were doing a depth chart today, I think, Stephen, I would put Jackson Smith and Jigba as a starting slot with not sure who's behind him. Julian Fleming as the starting Z with Jaden Ballard behind him and Marvin Harrison Jr. as the starting X with the Emeka Egbuka behind him 
But figuring that Egbuka is going to have a role, maybe multiple roles. I know you were with Egbuka and you asked him about that. That as a rough representation of how we think the receivers might shake out. Do you agree with that? I do agree with it. And I know uh, Jaden told Nathan that he's behind Julian at Z, but it might be a little bit more like by the time we get to the season, Emeka Ibuka is the backup Z and X because he did. And he, slot. He, and, he and might and be slot. the backup he, he's it, yeah. Right. Just how like Matt and on the offensive line, it's like Matthew Jones is like the starting left guard, but he's also like the backup center and stuff like that. I think Emeka is just, he's kind of rotating everywhere depending on who needs a break. So he's just kind of in that while well, Jaden Ballard might just have to wait another year because he still needs to develop as a route runner because he, I, I said this to you guys when we were leaving, it's, Everybody's not working everywhere in a way that's going to actually show up on the field. But if you want to tell me that Ameke Ibuka and Jackson Smith the Jigbo are repping at X, X slot and Z just so they know everything, I'll believe that those two are doing that because Jackson's Jackson and Ameka can has kind of that same skill set. So I, I think that's what it is. The starters are Marvin Harrison Jr. at X, Julian Fleming at Z, Jackson in the slot, and then second string, you just put Ameke Ibuka's name on every all three spots. Ameka did talk about how he played outside receiver in high school primarily, but he said Heartline thought the slot would help him last year to develop some of those skills, kind of round him out as a receiver. Also, clearly, it's like, well, if you want to get on the field at all, I mean, what Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson aren't coming off the field. Let's try to get somebody in the slot. And then it turns out Jackson didn't come off the field either. But Jackson, I think I agree, I agree with you, Stephen, on sometimes, and we talk about this with all the positions, every coach always says, everybody's learning every position. And then a lot of guys just play one spot. It's like, okay, I get it. What's coach speak and what's not. I think the versatility applies most, as you said, to JSN and EE. And the other guys are going to be locked in a little bit. So let's start. I just want to run through all the receivers. And again, shout out to everybody asking the questions. I gathered some of my information from listening to some of the interviews that I wasn't at personally because I spent a lot of time with Cam Babb, who we could talk about, and I spent a lot of time with Sam Wigless, who is the heart and soul of the receiver room, according to Cam Babb. Although I think Cam Babb in his own way is the heart and soul of the receiver room. Emeka Buka, super talented, said he thinks, you know, got asked a question about who's the fastest guy on the team. He's like, oh, you know, we're all fast. Like, I'm up there. I think my acceleration's pretty good. Talked about, wish he had broken one as a kick returner last year, but man, kick returning is hard. But Nathan, just like, you know, even what he said or just what we know, just feels like by year three, he is just going to round into a guy who can do anything. But I does feel like maybe year two is going to be still part of that process as opposed to an 85 reception season, maybe for a guy Buka that, that he wanted to come to a great receiver room. I'm not saying he's happy. He's probably wants to play every snap. I'm sure he does, but it feels like this is still going to be a little bit of a, of a learning experience for him because it's credit. Yeah. It was so much of when you start talking about those statistical things, it's, 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 it's some of it is just opportunity and the way that this receiver room is stacking up. I I'd probably take the under on everybody, but Jackson's been the Jigbo having that kind of, that kind of statistical year. But I think you're right also just in terms of um, being him, him slotting in more. Well, I should be careful how I use the term slotting him fitting in as more of that, like Jack of all trades and still being a real weapon on special teams is yeah, that's exactly. I think what I envision for him this fall, just because you have guys ahead of him that are a little bit more mature, maybe a little bit more advanced as pure receivers who are ready to like shoulder the weight of those starting jobs. I do think Steven, to your point, Julian Fleming has battled injuries, his career. If Julian Fleming has any more injury issues in 2022, I think that Mecca Buka would might start at Z. And mm-hmm. if there's a game where Julian Fleming's not there, right. That I just, mm-hmm. I think Buka, cause nothing ever goes perfectly. He's going to get his opportunity. I'm, I have a theory about him. Um, it's not quite all the way Terry McLaurin-ish, but I feel like of the four guys who might play this year, 
he's the one who might get to the NFL and we look back on his college stats and go, man, he was really underutilized. And it's just because that's what the room is right now. I think, I mean, he might be the most talented one in the room, but it's, as we're talking about here, he's everybody's backup right now. And so he might only get one year of the crazy stat numbers. And that might be 2023 when he's a junior and it's just him and Marvin. If Julian has the type of year that he wants to have his, the Marshawn Lattimore and of course Jackson is out of here. And so his first two years, he might only have 35 catches total. And we're going, man, he hasn't really looked up, lived up to the number one wide receiver in the country. And then he just exposed in year two, in year three, which is fine. But that's just how this room is set up right now. So I won't be shocked if he's a little bit underutilized. But I do agree with you. If Julian has injury problems or has to miss some games or if something happens to Jackson or if something happens to Marvin, you just slide him in and you're good. That's where I think. Go ahead, Nathan. I was going to say, that's where I think the we're practicing at different positions or we're all trying different positions. That's where it more comes into to me. I think everybody has an identity for the most part, but at receiver, it's very different than, because they say this about every position. How many years have we heard the linebackers talk about like, well, we can really play any position and they don't, they play, they play their position. Like they don't move around a lot at linebacker or on the offensive line. It's incredibly rare that you see someone do like what Thayer Mumford did last year, playing guard and tackle. But I think it's much more easy to see, either because of an injury crops up or whatever, that uh, Emeka Buka can play both of those spots, and it doesn't seem like it, – it almost doesn't seem like a story. He's just a receiver on the field. So, Stephen, let me ask you this. Who do you think will be Ohio State's starting slot receiver in 2023? Emeka Buka. I, I, I'm pretty confident about that one. Because – I it was sort of like, oh, well, they're not making this transition and this guy's not, you know, Jackson's not going outside. But it's almost like if Mecca wants to get the experience everywhere, he needs to be outside now because in 2023, Marvin Harrison's not going to be a slot. Julian Fleming's not going to be a slot. I don't think Jaden Ballard's sort of deep ball skills make him a slot. So it's like, well, who's your slot? So it's like probably a Mecca. So go outside now and then that'll round him out. So plenty of room for Mecca Buka. He's a room. He and Marvin Harrison Jr. are roommates. They push each other. They work out together all the time. But it does feel like part of that's going to be competing for snaps at X this year. That one of the other things would be, I mean, if it feels like that's maybe where Emeka is more, you know, if he's just like is much better than Marvin Harrison Jr. in practice, then, then maybe he'll be the starting X. But let's go to Marvin Harrison Jr. Because, Nathan, as you said, Garrett Wilson was the starting X receiver, that sort of prototypical number one receiver, do everything guy. He was at for Ohio State last year. Garrett Wilson's 5'11 and a half and weighted at 183 pounds at the combine. Marvin Harrison is more than 6'3 and 210. We talked a lot about Garrett Wilson plays bigger than his size. Marvin Harrison Jr. plays his size, which is three or four inches taller than Garrett Wilson. And 27 pounds heavier we're gonna see a different kind of x this year yeah he actually said 205 around 205 and he doesn't want to get a lot bigger now because i was asking him like you know listen you're a big receiver like there's no there's no change about that and you can't really control your height you can control your bulk so did you feel because of that role because maybe like a red zone big time target kind of thing. Do you, did you need to add a little bit of size? And he's like, no, because like he pointed to Garrett Wilson. He said like, Hey, he, he did that last year and he is not as big as me. Um, and that he actually, he looks really built in those pictures that we've seen online. Um, mm. People have noticed it, the definition of the arms is what really pops at you. And sometimes it's a difference between which guys are wearing sleeves and which ones aren't, but his, his, it's legit. Um, but he said that that is more, he thinks just a, product of his body fat keeps dropping and so the definition is maybe just showing up more he's not trying to bulk up he says it's more about he's trying to stay that's really as much as he wants to get as far as built he's trying to stay lean because you do need to do all of those other things you need to still have that speed and that um acceleration and that ability to elevate and all of those other things that you want to be too heavy for but he also again um being able to you know when contested catches and things like that, I think was on his mind too, as far as the off season and making sure that he came into this spring uh, ready to, to prove himself in that capacity. But, it, but compared to like Cam Babb is the one who still kind of sets the tone for being built in that receiver room. Oh, I told Cam Babb, Cam Babb said something about, 
you know, when I haven't been on the field, I've just been in the weight room. And I was like, no, we can tell you, we can yeah, tell we you've been in the weight room. I think <laughs> I was, he got a little bit shy. He was like, old man, don't look at my biceps. And I was like, I can't help it. <laughs> so he's, whew, we'll talk about Cam, Cam Babbin a little bit. You know what's a little bit funny, Stephen, about Marvin Harrison Jr.? His dad was Garrett Wilson sized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is like, you know, whatever three inches taller than his dad and Julio Jones size. Yeah. (laughs) Like 30 pounds heavier, 25 pounds heavier than what he dad, his dad played at. But this really, Steven, this will be a little bit of a new, I mean, Michael Thomas had some good size. I'm trying to think about like Ben Victor was big, but like Ben Victor never played to the Mm -hmm. level Mm -hmm. where he -hmm. took advantage of all. It's like Ben Victor but yep. much better. <laughs> like, he is going to be what Ben Victor was supposed to be when they like went what, and got him. Well, or well, Vic, just what, what the, ben what the best was, version of him yeah, could have been. Yeah. What Ben Victor yeah. was in that Penn State game. Where yes. for like two games, yes. two plays, it's like, what is happening? Is Ben Victor the best receiver in college football? And then I was like, no, he's not. He's good. He's fine. He's in the NFL. He's fine. But he never was that guy. But Steven, if we see a 6'3 dude, you saw it in the Rose Bowl. We don't have to envision it. We saw it. That is going to be something that's going to be kind of fun for Ohio State fans. Red zone threat for sure, as we saw in the Rose Bowl. I think Terry Glenn is looking down on earth and a little worried about that single season touchdown record because it seems like that's something that's on the table for Marvin Harrison, especially once you get into the red zone. If you could just, you know, go route throw it up or top. But I think the thing that makes Marvin Harrison so interesting is that he's that big, but he can move. It's not like he's just a, a contested catch type of guy. He's one of the better route runners of these young guys. And we saw that in the Rose Bowl as well. And in some garbage snaps as well. We saw the move he had in the Indiana game where, you know, he jukes one defender and he spins off another and makes them run into each other. That's, I think, what makes this interesting, especially since you brought up Garrett. I don't know. I think he could. I'm not saying he's as explosive as Garrett is in the sense of like, you know, just get the ball in his hands and let's just see what he can do with it. But I do think that there are elements of what Garrett was as an ex receiver that don't have to go away just because you don't have Garrett anymore. He can do a lot of those same things. I think it's interesting to bring up a name like Ben Victor, because to me, it's almost like maybe Ben Victor was the best version of Ben Victor and it was only going to be in flashes. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to just be able to do that consistently. And he was talking, Nathan, about like, he wants to be great. Like, and everybody says like, this guy busts his butt. He's, he has something special to, to have his skills at his size. But again, he says he and, Be- and Mecca are like back in the facility, like every night catching balls, man. Like this guy, this guy has a combination um, that he's, and I don't know, whatever it is. I mean, his dad's a Hall of Famer. We all know that. But whatever it is about this kid, this young man, he's got a fire inside that's going to push the, all those natural traits he has. It's, I think it's fair to say that, and I always, I always worry that we're talking guys up too much sometimes. I think it's fair to say, though, when you're around him, that you forget the Marvin Harrison part a lot. I do. Like it's, yeah. it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like you're seeing the physical things are impressive and the things he did in the Rose bowl are impressive. And then it's like, on top of that, like, Oh yeah. I remember his name is Marvin Harrison. What his dad did. I think that's a good trait to have at this time of his career that it's his name. Isn't leading the conversation it, his name is sort of just coincidental to the conversation at this point. It makes it a richer conversation because you can start to make those comparisons. Like, Oh, your dad wasn't this kind of receiver. And, and he was getting questions today about like, Hey, what'd your dad ever really teach you about, uh, you know, catching a ball and stuff like that. And I think there's, there, there's some interesting tangents to go on there because his dad obviously was so accomplished at the same job, but it's not what Marvin Harrison Jr. is really carving his own identity here. and has nothing to do with his name. He handles the Marvin Harrison questions really well too. I mean, I mean I'm proud because he's been getting them his entire life, but he handles that really well. I know you said that him and Emeka live together. I don't know if this is still the roommate situation, but I do know for a fact that when they first got here, it was Kyle McCord, Jaden Ballard, Emeka Buka, and Marvin Harrison Jr. all living is. together. And yeah, literally from the moment they got here, they were they got to work. We see it all the time. We saw it all the time last year when we would go on there on Wednesday nights for interviews. The, all three of those guys would be on the jugs afterwards. We were in there one time doing videos and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Kyle McCorder in there throwing on air. And I saw it over the summer when I was there for day camps 
Um, it'd be Kyle McCord, CJ Stroud, Garrett Wilson, the whole shebang all in there throwing on air. So those that quartet, though, that 2021 quartet of quarterback and three wide receivers, they've been at this for a while now. And so it's not all that shocking that at least one of them has emerged and we're talking them up like this. But, yeah, that's been their kind of their thing is they wanted to get in here and early enroll and all four of those guys have gotten to work. There's also kind of a weird dynamic right now with Marvin Harrison Jr. where like his personality and his way of speaking hasn't really caught up to his size and what he's doing on a football field. It just it still seems it's it's this awkward like juxtaposition right now. I'm, I'm curious when that's going to like really catch up. He doesn't like you expect to walk up to that table and he's got like a booming voice and is just like telling you what's going on. And it, he's still he talks a little bit still more like a, a high school guy in some ways. Um, and he's not like um, he's comfortable with the interviews, but isn't like there to, like you said, talk himself up. He's so I think that's going to change a little bit, though, as as this season goes on, because he's really only had like the one the one moment out in front having the big game. And as that starts to happen more frequently, we might start to see a little different side of him. It's one of those things where we always talk about, like the evolution of Ohio State positions and. There was this guy, then there was this guy. And when do you get to the point where it's like, well, like that's the peak. Now you're just trying to duplicate that. But how can you be any better than Chase Young? How could they ever have a defensive end who is more athletic, more locked in, more ferocious, more intelligent, more all over the place, more stronger, faster, quicker than Chase Young? As much as we love to talk about Garrett Wilson on this podcast, Garrett Wilson is a 5'11 and a half X. I don't know that he is the end of the evolution of the Ohio State X receiver, but Marvin Harrison Jr. might be, Stephen, right? Like, like, what if you had Garrett Wilson, but he was six, but he was four inches taller and 25 pounds heavier, but kind of as explosive and as dynamic and as much with yards after the catch and as much ball in the air. And I'm, that's a lot to put on. I still think Garrett Wilson might, is going to be the first receiver off the board at 5'11 and a half. That's a lot to put on Marvin Harrison Jr. But it's not crazy. It's not completely far-fetched. I think it's, it's, it's really where my genesis of my love for Garrett Wilson comes from is the fact that, yes, he's really good at football, but he's like the genesis of some things here. He is Joey Bosa. Yeah. While Nick Bosa and Chase Young – and maybe JT Tui Malowal and Jackson, those guys are still to come, but somebody had to open that door. And maybe you can throw Chris Olave in there too, even if he wasn't the five-star, you know, for we know why he wasn't a top 100 recruit, but even if he wasn't that, but like those two are awesome. And we all just saw what they did at the combine. Let's just wait till Jackson Smith and Jigba gets to the combine a year from now. Let's just wait and see when Marvin Harrison and Julian Fleming and Emeka Ibuka and Caleb Burton and Keon Graves and on down the lines. Those two were just the beginning of it. And it's just because they're, they're first through the lines. Well, obviously, they're the standard that we hold to everybody and we all think they're the, all great. But we might come back at this five years from now and be like, Garrett was only like the sixth best one of the group. And it's not because he wasn't great. It's just because they went and got a bunch of other five stars after him. Well, I think they would say Paris Campbell and and uh, and Terry McLaurin, McLaurin yeah. like they would say those guys were the first ones. So that's what Chris and and Garrett yeah. would say. So they were kind of I would almost say that they were a little bit the next evolution, and it the ball's still rolling. Okay, fine. They're no, they're Bosa, um, Terry McLaurin, and uh, Paris Ca- Campbell are like John Simon or Cameron Hayward. But they were still, yeah. I mean, like Johnny and Terry and. Paris, they were still like recruited in the Urban Meyer era before yeah. Ryan Day got here. They were not, and the recruited. usage was different. Yeah, they were not yeah. recruited to the Ohio State passing offense. They wound up playing in the Ohio State passing offense. They were the first guys to play in it, but they were not molded in it and brought in it into it from day one the way Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were. All right, that's X. Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Buka, probably your top two guys at the X receiver. Quick break. Back to talk Z receiver next in Buckeye Talk. Doug Lamarie, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. Nathan, Jaden Ballard. Who was it, Jaden Ballard? I was there for the entirety of Jaden Ballard, yeah. Let's start with Jaden Ballard, who was clearly the number two guy there. And I thought from talking to him, he did not do much last year. He did not explode onto the scene. Doesn't mean he's behind, but he's a little 
less comfortable talking to media so far because he's a young guy. He's like, and it's fine. But Maslin kid, a lot of Devin Smith questions, a lot of down the field. What's your speed like questions like this? This feels like a deep threat guy and he's going to try to grow into that. How much action does he get this year? I don't know, but I felt like there was a lot of discussion. And Nathan, you were there the whole time, right? It, it wasn't it about sort of like the evolution of Jaden Ballard from year one to year two, not far from a finished product, but now you are you can start to see what the end game is. Well, yeah, he's he said straight out to us, like, hey, I really didn't want to come out today. I don't like doing interviews. But what's making him interesting, What well, the reason I'm at his table, um, and he was one of the first guys out there, was because Chris Olave is going out of his way to talk about Jaden Ballard. Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson are going out of the way to talk about Jaden Ballard. And I think maybe the biggest difference between Jaden Ballard today and Jaden Ballard a year ago is confidence. That when you first come on, and especially you're walking into that room, that that receiver room has to be a little bit intimidating as far as, um, you know, wanting to live up to that standard on a down-by-down basis, snap-by-snap basis in practice. And now I think he not only is feeling more comfortable and, and confident in what he can do, but also knows how to, like, get through a day better. Like, okay, you made a mistake. Here's how you bounce back from it. Those sort of things. Something to where he starts to see real growth. Um, I, he's realistic, I think, in terms of what he will do this year. I think he still sees mostly probably a special teams role and then rotating in behind and, and supporting that receiver group. I don't know that he's going to challenge for a starting job because he is still, I mean, again, Julian Fleming is a, a third year guy in this program and Ibuka played a lot last year. And there's other guys I think ahead of him that are, would get that a uh, first shot, but physically there's a lot to like about him. He's another guy that's like around that six, three, 200 ish conversation and if you know, the thing that Chris Olave was really talking up was the speed. And now when you start talking about that size, that speed in combination, downfield threat, um, it, it's that's what it is. In some ways, that's what makes the Ohio State receiving room so intriguing right now that how many other programs in the Big Ten would they be just falling all over themselves to have Jaden Ballard right now? And at Ohio State, it's kind of like, yeah, we'll get to him when we get to him. But we've got some other things ahead of him. He's a basketball player in pads right now. Like, really. Like, if you've seen him play basketball at Massillon, he's pretty good. He actually probably could have played mid-major basketball. And so that's good that he's he, – even in high school when I talked to him, he kind of had that understanding that there was going to be a learning curve, almost similar to Julian Fleming's, except, you know, he's not the number one receiver in the country, so we're not asking about him every two weeks. We just, he just gets to have his normal development trail. But, yeah, this was – He's got to learn how to play football. And at Vaseline, even if that is a story program, I remember going to watch him play. He didn't have the best quarterbacks. There was a lot of times where it's just like, hey, Jaden, run fast. We're going to throw you the ball. It's going to be a, the ball is going to be short. So you're going to have to come back and get it. And that makes sense. Like if his just maybe he's just a year behind a guy like a mm-hmm. Buka or whatever. Right. Which is fine. Which is fine. He's got plenty of time. If Jaden Ballard really helps Ohio state in years three and four and maybe even five. Great. They're okay. And he's okay. So I think, you know, it's, I would right? He's probably their fifth receiver right now. Yeah. And then it's just a matter of how many do they play? There's one caveat with that, that we'll get to, but again, one of the other things that, and fingers crossed for Julian Fleming, all the best for Julian Fleming. He's dealt with some nagging stuff. He had the shoulder injury, but he said, I've also had some other nagging things. He was talking about a hammy tweak that he was dealing with last year. So I, I'm, you know, injury prone or whatever, I think is one of those phrases that is probably thrown around in an incorrect way. A lot of times, I think there are guys who sometimes you have a serious injury or two. That's just bad luck. And then everybody pulls their hamstring. Sometimes everybody gets a little thing here and there. Sometimes the result is we have not seen Julian Fleming at his peak so far. But I just think anybody behind Julian Fleming, you're maybe on just a slight bit more alert because, you know, this guy's had some bad luck. So whatever, hopefully Julian Fleming plays every single snap for Ohio State this year. Julian Fleming said, I feel the best I've ever felt. I feel the fastest I've ever felt. He talked about the kind of stuff that guys talk about when they start to round into that. Drinking more water. Getting more sleep. 
some of those kind of basic things. That's why Stephen Means has a gallon jug of water by his side every single day. He's yep. an adult. He's a grown man now. Julian Fleming is on the Stephen Means carry around a gallon jug of water plant. But Except he's going to maybe make millions while drinking his water one day. I'm not going to make millions while drinking my water. The, the only difference between Stephen Means and Julian Fleming yeah. is the future million there for Julian Fleming. Yeah. But it felt like, again, if you think, and I think we have people listening to this, I know we have texters when we talk about Julian Fleming. I, I know there are people, when we get to our driving the bus conversation, which we'll do, I think we're going to have some people driving the bus for Julian Fleming. I just thought, I wasn't there at his table, but again, Austin Ward asked a lot of good questions. Credit to the people who were talking to Julian Fleming when everybody was running around. It sounded like a guy, I almost think Julian Fleming is ready to drive his own bus. He sort of talked about like getting into a routine and whatever. And it's just like, I just think it took this long because he came from a high school program that didn't throw the ball a lot and he's dealt with injuries. So it's been a two year reset, but now he's here. And who's here? A guy who was the number one receiver recruit in the country who sort of has a starting job penciled in for him. That has a chance to be something, and it feels like Julian Fleming is ready for that. Well, yeah, there's just never been the confluence of health and opportunity for him. And even though, yeah, he hasn't done a lot these first two years, you could argue that, you know, other than the Big Ten Championship game, his true freshman year, or the Rose Bowl, it's not like there was a big opportunity there and he didn't show much. And I don't know how much I would even count that Big Ten championship game against him because that was there was a lot of weird stuff going on in that game now he didn't have the huge game in the Rose Bowl the way Marvin Harrison Jr. did for instance but the one thing I will say in Julian Fleming's support was that when he did get on the field these first couple years he wasn't making a lot of big time receiver plays but he did make some big football plays when he got out there on a couple of occasions I think that means something. I don't think it means everything. And at the end of the day, this is the year where he does. He absolutely has to go out and do big receiver things. But it does give me a little bit more optimism that it could be there um, because he just has the, the senses about him to go out there and, and be a football player. And I think that's always a good foundation to build off of. But I'm intrigued for when we actually get to see some scrimmage stuff this spring. Do we come away from that saying, oh, did you see what Julian Fleming did on that route, did with that catch? did with that run that's something that we just haven't done they they say it's happening brian hartline will go on for days about how that's absolutely happening behind the scenes and other players have talked about it too but it's something that i don't know anybody on this beat has put eyes on over two years i really want to know his 40 time um at the opening in 2019 he ran a 445 um he is six foot two 207 pounds um we just got done talking about Imagine if Garrett Wilson was six foot three. Well, then you get Marvin Harrison Jr. I, I, this is not a hyperbolic thing. I'm just thinking you're the Z receiver. You're supposed to be the receiver that takes the top off the defense. There have been plenty of people who have said he's one of the faster guys in the room. Garrett said it back in 2020. Uh, uh, Jackson Smith, the Jigba said it when I asked him about it last year. Um, if he's 200 plus pounds and he's running and he's a four, four guy, that's interesting to me because we haven't really gotten a chance to see if he can take a top off of the defense yet because most of his catches have just been possession catches on comeback routes. He said he's around 210. That's like 22 pounds heavier. Thank you. So a lot they weighed in at the combine and he's like two inches taller. So again, it's like, what if Chris Olave was two inches taller and 22 pounds heavier, but basically just as fast. It's like, okay, what are we talking about? They're just supersizing everybody. They have two first down receivers. And then these guys are just like turbocharged versions of them. Julian Fleming just has to do it, but he feels like he's in a position. It feels like he feels good about it. And again, sometimes you get roadblocks in your way, but he just, he said the word routine a couple times today. Like I'm getting into my routine, which is sometimes you hear guys their first year talk about that. You know, if guys are able to come from a big time program, they're ready to roll. There's an opportunity. You know who probably got locked into a routine right away? Denzel Burke, because he started last year as a true freshman. Julian Fleming's just on the Julian Fleming learning curve, but it feels like he's ready to go. So if you are in on Julian Fleming, 
I would stay in on Julian Fleming. And again, Nathan, you're one of those things. It's like to throw into this discussion that we should like sometimes how they have a podcast warning that it's like, uh, what, what do they say when you swear in a podcast? You know, like if, if what's the label? They oh, put? they put the little uh, explicit, explicit label. Explicit. I don't know if this you put like a homorific label or some kind of thing. It's like, well, you know, caveat. We don't want to oversell guys in spring practice. But honestly, Nathan, of any room in the country where it's like, well, we're basically talking about everybody we're talking about as, well, they're they're all bigger, faster, and stronger than the guys who are going to be first-round <laughs> picks. And it's like, what are you doing? I don't know, Nathan. It's the Ohio State receiver room. I'm not sure we're wrong. And I under even if we are wrong, I understand why we're doing it. Listen, we spent a lot of time already talking about just like physical traits. What's a guy's height? What's a guy's weight? What's a guy run? And those are all important things. And it's obviously big for Ohio State that it has a lot of guys who push upper percentiles on those things, especially in combination. But go look at, you know, the NFL draft breakdowns that like scouting services do for guys like Chris Olave, like Garrett Wilson. A lot of the stuff they talk about there is not just, well, he's bigger than cornerbacks or he can jump this high. There's a lot of stuff in there that's nuanced, skilled things. And we've seen Marvin Harrison get on a field and do some of those things um, in, in, in crucial ways. Um, it, it was just the one huge game, but that means something. And especially considering the stakes and the opponent. Uh, end of conversation on Jackson Smith and Jigba, obviously. Even Emeka Ibuka last year had a yeah. couple of those moments where he takes a short pass and he's off to the races. And he got caught from behind, I understand. But we, we've just seen enough of him doing it on the field. Fleming is the last one that hasn't crossed that hurdle. But I don't think it's being a homer to say, well, this guy was ranked the number one prospect in the country for a reason, probably, that even if they were wrong, how wrong could they really be? That doesn't mean he, was, he wasn't he didn't go from first to like 90th. And uh, the physical traits are there and all the supporting behind the scenes stuff. You know, I think it does say something to me that when we have talked to Brian Hartline about him, it's not like he's saying, well, he needs to get healthy so we can start to see some things. He has said. We're seeing it like he doesn't have the opportunity to show you guys because he's not better than Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And we're not throwing when we're up 54 to six on Akron, but it's there. And I think this is just a year. It's I wouldn't say a put up or shut up year, but now the opportunity is there. There's there is no roadblock as long as there's no physical roadblock. I think we'll see it from Julian Fleming in some capacity this year. We're not being homers. We're just pointing out. The facts of the situation here, as Nathan just pointed out, we've already seen it in flashes with the two with Marvin and Emeka. It's not that Julian Fleming was a number one wide receiver in his recruiting class. It's that he was a number three player in the country and the third highest rated player Ohio State had ever signed at the moment that he signed. Now, obviously, some other people have come along like Quinn Ewers and such to drop him down on that list. But it's that's all there. And it's like you only can talk about what you know. What we know right now is that's the pedigree he came into Ohio state with. And if everybody behind the scenes is telling you that that's what he is living up to, even if he hasn't been able to do it on the field, you give it benefit of the doubt until they get on the field against Notre Dame. And he shows you otherwise. I do think I'm trying to think that it almost makes me want to go through and do this. Like in the modern era, has Ohio state had like a huge miss in the receiver room or a guy who came in like, super high and just did nothing. The guy that, that I'm feeling Gill, about, I suppose from just even a recruiting that, ranking standpoint, but it, yeah. that was more of a transition between yeah. um, philosophies that kind of caught him in a weird place. And you, I, it, it, yeah. there's, there's a difference between like, I think the, the term miss is a really interesting one because is it a miss because the guy never could really play or is it just a miss? Is it a miss because he didn't live up to the recruiting rankings that he didn't control and Ohio state wasn't putting on him. Well, just like a Tyreek Johnson, right? At right. Corner, who's I hate to keep throwing corner, him under the bus, but yeah, that's who, a- who did get a chance. They started him a game and then it was like, not really it. And he transfers and never really is a huge contributor. Austin Mack is a guy who, when he got here and his first year is 2016 felt like, Oh my gosh, like this guy, he's really polished, really complete receiver. And then he had some goofy injury stuff along the way and kind of got caught in between a little bit at like the end of the urban era, the start of the day era wound up with 79 catches for a thousand and fifty yards in four years. But like, I I wouldn't say he was a miss like when he was playing, 
in his junior and senior years, like he helped Ohio state. They rotated guys more, but mm-hmm. he helped Ohio state. But so even like, do I think Julian Fleming has a chance to have an Austin Mac like career? I would say that would be like the floor and the floor would help Ohio state. But I think he'll wind up doing more because of the offensive style they use. And as long as he doesn't have a ton more lingering injuries. I think the only, the only way you miss that wide receiver right now is if like the Julian, like if Julian has another injury, then so he never gets the chance to show it because I don't know if right now with Brian Hartline, the way he recruits and develops it, they can have a miss. Cause even with Tyreek Johnson, there's some context of that dude had a different position coach every year he was here, you know? So it's like, it's easy to fall through the cracks when that's just, especially when your first position coach is Tabor Johnson, it's very easy to fall through the cracks a little bit. I don't know if that can happen at wide receiver, as long as Brian Hartline is here. Now, if you want to tell me Brian Hartline in 2026 brings the number one wide receiver in the country here, but then he leaves and the guy that Ryan Day hires next is just not the guy who should have got this job. Then yeah, that, that might be a Tyree Johnson situation. This is where the term miss I know that I sometimes think about recruiting or argue things about recruiting that everybody else doesn't, but miss to me implies blame. So that's why the thing like Austin Mack is a good example. And this goes back to where Julian Fleming is talking about his routine. Like when you have those injuries, it interrupts your development. And now Julian Fleming, when I hear him talking about routine, I'm thinking, Oh, I don't have to go get extra treatment. I don't have to be wary about doing this or that or the other thing or exerting myself too much. And um, I can go get extra reps. I can go take extra routes. I can go just play catch with guys. And I'm not giving away extra time to my body to worry about this injury. So that, that when I hear him talking about routine, that's what I'm hearing. That I'm, I'm, it's being kind of, he's shedding, getting to shed the injury and just be the football player like everybody else in the receiver room gets to be. And get to, and get to have the trajectory he's supposed to have. Yeah. And to be clear, I'm not implying at all that Julian Fleming is anywhere co- close to a bit. So I'm just saying like, you know, usually the guys are high. Now, I mean, the one thing I guess would be, you know, they brought four receivers in to the class of guys who are now in their third year, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming, Mookie Cooper, and G Scott. And G Scott's now a tight end and Mookie Cooper sort of saw the writing on the wall and figured it out pretty quick and transferred. Again, I'm not labeling either of them as misses, but again, the, the way, I mean, the other way, like yeah, the way you would miss is like, there's so many guys in here. You just like are, pretty good instead of great and like you never get on the field and like we never even get to find out how good you might be because you can't play yep. because they're so competitive here i do want to talk about cam bab a little bit before we wind up with jackson smith and jigba so listen that cap cam bab to be a captain last year as a guy who has not been able to be on the field a lot of people wrote that we knew about that it was sort of an inspirational story of like man this guy really must mean something to his teammates and be quite a presence in the locker room if he can't stay healthy he's at four acl tears two in each knee since the end of his, uh, since the senior year of high school for him, man, this guy must be something special. So let's have a football conversation. He's practicing. And he said, I feel good. He said, like, I feel normal. I'm doing everything. He didn't say that he feels like much less athletic than he used to feel before the ACL tears or anything. And he's freaking ripped. So, He's six feet. He's over 200 pounds. He's a wild card, Steven. I don't even know what to think of it, but I brought up Johnny Dixon to him. He said Johnny Dixon has a guy who at one point it felt like his football career was over. And then he, his knees allowed him to play a final year at Ohio state in 2018, where he was like a really good football player. He said, Johnny Dixon sort of took him under his wing when, when Cam Bab got here uh, as a first year guy. So I don't know what to think of Cam Bab Steven, but do we have to throw him in the mix? If we're saying, okay, we're talking about five, because just Caleb Burton and all the other freshmen, just I don't think we're there with they those. Just guys. Need to wait. No offense to those yeah. guys, but there's too many guys ahead of them and they're true freshmen. So then if you go with the five we're talking about, does Cam Bab make it six? Like, do we should we throw him in the mix if he's feeling good? He said, like, I don't have like arthritis in my knees or anything after four ACL tears. Like I'm able to do stuff. And this guy was like a big time explosive receiver recruit when he got here. Should, should he be in this group somehow? I think I really want him to make it to fall camp Mm -hmm. because I think 
I mean, we didn't we didn't get him last year, but I don't think he had torn ACL yet at this point last year. I don't think it happened. I think it happened in the spring, but I feel like and I might be wrong about that. So I, no, it definitely I, happened. The fourth yeah, one yeah. was in the spring last year. He's OK, cool. Yeah. So I feel like had we got him a year ago, he would have been saying the same thing. And I would have been we all would have been rooting for him. I don't think anybody would have been like, all right, we've been here before. Yada, yada. No, we all have been rooting for this kid to have an opportunity to play football. But four ACL tears, man, two in each knee is a lot. Um, so I think, yeah, if he can get to fall camp, I think Brian Hartline is going to give him every opportunity to get into that mix. But four ACL tears, ACL tears makes me think, let's see him get to fall camp and then let's have this discussion. Yeah, he seems to me like he could be, in the long run, a guy who is just as crucial to those freshmen making their climb as these older guys are. Because I think you come in as a freshman, you're like, well, I can't. I'm, you know, we're talking about reps. You're talking about opportunity, whatever. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna jump past Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison right now. But you're trying to find out where you stand on that position, and the deeper that you can go, even with guys that aren't quite getting on the field, the more competition there is in that room. So in that way, he's important, I think. And also, he's clearly – there are a few players on this roster, I think, that seem to have the respect of their teammates the way Cam Babb does. And I just I, – I've said this before many times on the pod. It's just – it's different when that guy can be out there playing than if he's just standing around. Like, it just is, even if it's just in practice. It's a different impact. I've heard – Players in multiple sports talk about that many times over the years. And if you your best players lead best when they're actually out there doing the things that football players do, and that it helps to have him back in any capacity. Now, whether I think he gets a lot of targets this year, I'm still a little bit I'm I'm skeptical of that, but not be really because of him, just because there's so much talent in that room. And again, we've had the leader. I mean, for him to be voted the captain as an injured guy who really hasn't played was amazing. It's okay to have a football conversation. Great. He's a wonderful person. Talk to him for five minutes and you come away with like, that guy's got something. He's has very strong faith. He's obviously super smart. He's really inspirational. He's been through a lot of stuff with his injuries, but like, I just want to know if he's going to play. Cause like he was a top 100 recruit. So great leadership. We already had a leadership. I get it. I'm kind of curious about, especially as we talked about, if one guy gets abducted by aliens. Because Jaden Ballard probably maybe is still not quite ready for a super huge role. But if you have four guys that you really think are ready to roll this year, I think obviously they do, in Fleming, Harrison, Egbuka, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. If one of those four gets abducted by aliens, I think like if if cam bab makes it to camp in august then all of a sudden it might be like oh it's the third series of the game look who the z receiver is because we're not playing julian fleming 85 snaps and a buka got abducted by aliens and we're not sure about jaden ballard cam babs on the field like i i could see that kind of thing steven that he might be a guy away but if he can be kind of like the fifth guy ready if something goes wrong maybe maybe he does get on the field in some games i could see it but i might just lean more if one of those top four gets abducted by aliens and the other three just don't come off the field and or okay to the point of maybe they don't play julian fleming 85 snaps because he's got an injury history too fine that's where Cam Bab can get thrown into, but more more than likely if one of these four isn't available the other three are not coming off the field wrap up with the best receiver on the team next on Buckeye Talk. Try the text 614-350-3315. You guys know the deal. You guys know the number by now. I know there are people out there who have the number memorized and I've just never done it. And then they're like, why do I have this 614-350 in my head? It's like, because we're trying to get you to try the text. So balls in your court and anybody who's put the ball in their court, we certainly appreciate it. And I'm not yelling at you to do it. I'm just saying we appreciate it. If anybody tries the texts. Who talked to Jackson Smith and Jigba? Superstar. I did. And about town. What was the vibe? What's the vibe, Stephen? What's the JSN vibe? I think I'm going to go. I, I watched the Rose Bowl um, Wednesday night just because trying to get a night, just watching Jackson. 
um, trying to get a feel for what the heck they were doing with him. And then I asked him a bunch of questions about all the creative ways they used him to get the ball. I think I brought up that there was one route where they they brought him in a circle around C.J. Stroud and Trayvon Henderson and pre-snap just to throw him the ball and out. They had another one where he was in the backfield and they brought him out and then he went and scored a touchdown off of that. Basically, the reason why I watched the Rose Bowl, and I'm going to do it again. I think what we saw from Jackson Smith Jigman in the Rose Bowl, not necessarily the numbers because he's not going to have 350 every single week. At least we don't think he's going to do that. But the idea of how creative Ryan Day and Brian Hartline and Kevin Hart Kevin Wilson are going to get to get this kid the ball. It's all on the table for him. The option routes, it, he, he was talking about how him and CJ and Brian Day have already been talking about you know, all the freedom that they're going to give him, where a lot of times it's just going to be like, go and depending on what the leverage is, what the coverage is, if it's one safety, two safeties, whatever it is, that's the route he's going to be running. So it's like everybody else has these designed routes they're running, and Jackson's just kind of got the freedom to do whatever. That's some Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup stuff. Yes. Where it's like, we have a playbook for the 11 people on offense, but also play to play the quarterback and the number one receiver just might be like, ah, just do this thing. Yeah. I'm just going to do this thing. It's like, cool. And that's the play. The play is what CJ and Jackson think is going to work. Um, if he averaged like 350 a game for a 15 game season, we're talking about a 5,000 yard receiving season. So over under 5,000 receiving yards for Jackson Smith and Jigba. Nathan, again, I think this might be, we, we talk about CJ Stroud's intelligence so much. I think this combination, we may see some stuff that we haven't really seen. This may be like the, the master's degree in the Ryan Day offense that CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith may be pursuing together in the 2022 season. Yeah. So like if, if last year there had, if Chris Love had gone to the NFL last year, now it, it turns out probably not to have been this way because the way Jackson emerged but at the time, I think we probably would, we would have been having this conversation last spring, maybe about like, what would they do with Garrett Wilson now that he's the number one, the clear number one and Jackson, but he'll come along eventually. Right. And have the greatest season in Big Ten history or whatever. But we didn't see that at the time, even those of you who are arguing for more production than I was, um, didn't see that happening. I think we would have been talking about because. That was what would have been apparent in front of us, that there was one receiver, as much as other talent was emerging in that room, one receiver who just um, maybe just deserved that attention. And how how are you going to be creative at getting him the ball? But I'm, I won't be shocked if a similar dynamic plays out as to what then actually did play out last year, which is, yeah. Everyone knows who Jackson Smith and Jigba is first and foremost, and people will try to take him away. But there's enough talent in this room that we can't dismiss that Marvin Harrison Jr. Or, and or Julian Fleming or whoever is going to step up and say, I, you can't do that. I, they're they're going to demand that teams have to pay them more attention, and that's what's going to be what opens this up. How many yard, receiving yards does Jackson Smith and Jigba have against Notre Dame? 140. I think you're shooting low. I think it might be a very similar situation to what it was last year where like CJ or like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson were the known commodities. So they just got the ball and Jackson was forgotten about. And it was gradual the more he got the ball because you got to go with the guys, you know, when you're playing a really good opponent to start the season. I think Jackson, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't be shocked if he had 200 receiving yards in week one, just because it's Notre Dame. And then like they spent Arkansas state and Toledo really getting the other guys involved. So when that Wisconsin game shows up, it is more of a group effort and not just the Jackson Smith and Jigba show. I will be very curious where all of us land and we'll have to make ourselves do it. Make predictions for like, maybe like receiving yards per game for all the top mm -hmm. five or top six guys where we come in on this stuff. Steven did, was there anything else from Jackson? I heard some other reporters talking, just seeming him like maybe growing into the role a little bit. He knows he's going to be, one of the faces of college football. How did he seem sort of hanging out with the media? Very comfortable in that spot. Uh, it's, it's interesting to, so to watch that progress. And I remember the first time we got him um, as an early enrollee back before the world, you know, when it got set on fire, um, you know, he was a little nervous, didn't really know what he was saying. He's a lot more sure of himself and comfortable with himself. And he's very aware of the fact that he knows that next season, 
there are going to be eyes on him, multiple eyes every single snap. He's going to get doubled. He's going to get tripled. He compared it to what it was like in high school for him, where they were getting just as creative with him his senior year because he was constantly getting double teamed and triple teamed. And I think when it got brought up, the idea of are you expecting to get double? He's like, I mean, I hope so. And his face was kind of saying, I mean, you better or I'm going to do what I did at the Rose Bowl every single week. But, yeah, very comfortable being in that seat and the understanding that he might be the best wide receiver in the country. All right, I think we'll stop there. And I think we will save any running back conversation for the Friday pod. Nathan, I was thinking we'd do a Friday Madness. Does that sound all right to you? Absolutely. We'll Friday Friday, uh, Friday fiasco? Yeah, Friday. Yeah, Friday's good. Fiasco's good. And uh, we'll maybe start with the Ohio State thing we'll talk about is the Ohio State running backs because we did talk to Trayvon Henderson. We did talk to Evan Pryor. Evan Mayan Williams was there as well. But I, I think there's a lot of interest in these receivers and we wanted to uh, focus on that just because, Stephen, you did put out a quick story about it. Do we want to give people sort of like the minute long lowdown on sort of what Travion Henderson said about having a concussion in the 2021 season and then sort of just like the evolution of understanding what was up with that and what you wound up writing? Yeah, so. Initial, the initial question I asked was, and this kind of snowballed into some other things Bill Rubin with got involved, but I asked him basically there was what Travion Henderson was doing before Ohio State played Penn State and then kind of what he was doing afterward. They played Penn State where I think the last five games he didn't get over 100 yards. And I was asking him, did you get tired? What kind of happened there? Did the teams figure you out? Did it just maybe get more difficult? And he said, I mean, yeah, obviously it got more difficult. Penn State was probably the hardest he's ever worked for some yards, but also he was dealing with a bunch, some injuries, some nagging stuff, and then some more significant stuff. Um, I knew about the knee injury. He had like a small knee injury that he had been dealing with during the season, but he also, he didn't specify what game it was, but that he did suffer a concussion at some point during last season. And so he sat out the rest of that game. Um, and then he, what he did go into concussion protocol. He got tested, he tested negative and he was clear to play. So, but the problem was when he was, when he was asked by, I think Bill Rabinow was asked, like, can you give us some details into some of these injuries? He said, I played with a concussion. And the exact quote is I had a concussion. I played through that. During the game, I still had the side effects of it. I don't think I want to talk about what was what I was going through, but yeah, I played through a concussion. I didn't really know it at first, but I knew. As long as I can run, I'll play through whatever, but I'm going to keep myself safe at the same time. So basically, he came out and said I had a concussion, which obviously red, alert, red alerts go off for everybody that Ohio State is letting a player play with concussion, especially an 18-year-old kid who didn't play high school football his senior year. So I went up to him afterward. I wanted to verify some things and clarify some things. And he said to me, I just had symptoms, but I was good. He did, in fact, go through the testing. He did test negative. He did not play in any game where he actually tested, had a concussion. That was never the deal. And then he came out on Twitter and also clarified it, too, because there were some videos of him saying that. So he did not actually play with a concussion. He did get suffer one during a game. though. Serious stuff, man. It's a brain yeah. bruise. It's a brain bruise. Yes. And uh, he's a young kid. So, you know, this stuff matters. But certainly it sounds like he is not alleging anything. Yes. Uh, but this is can be a um, difficult topic to talk about in terms of phraseology and what exactly did you mean by that? What is this and what is that? And when did you take a test and when did you not? So good job, Stephen, getting that clarified. Um, you know, we'll check on this stuff. And if there's ever a time when we feel like there's something untoward going on, we're going to report on that. But at the moment, that's not what we're saying. We're saying this is what, what Trevion Henderson said. This is what he then sort of said to make it a little more clear. So uh, bottom line is that guy probably is set up for potentially a bigger year in 2022. But we'll get more into the running backs. Evan Pryor was interesting. We had talked about him previously, but like, what did he have to say about maybe trying to grab a greater role? We'll get into that on the Friday pod. Steven is heading out here. It's like almost 1.30 on Thursday afternoon. He's getting ready to drive to Indianapolis to cover Ohio State basketball on Thursday night. But I don't think we're going to do much with basketball on the pod. Steven will be writing at cleveland.com slash OSU and texting about it. We'll just come back. The Monday pod will be the NCAA basketball tournament preview for Ohio State because we'll have their opponent, their seed, where they're going, 
and Stephen and I will dive into all of that on Monday, but the Friday pod will be a Friday fiasco, Friday madness situation that Nathan and I will handle. We always appreciate you guys making Buckeye Talk part of your week. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Lee Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.